0: Good morning, church. Welcome to those who are with us today in the building and with us online. Kindness. I did not know this. We did not know this when we were uh, planning out this series that we've been going through in the book of Ruth. But Friday, uh, just a few days ago, was actually World Kindness Day. And it just so happens that the title and the theme, one of the major themes in the book of Ruth, is the theme of kindness. And kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's our expression. Uh, one of the ways that the Spirit is working through us It's evidence of His work in our lives. And indeed, uh, last night I experienced some kindness from my boys because uh, my wife and my daughter were out for the evening uh, for a girl's night, and I had all six boys at home with me uh, by myself, and they were very kind to me. I didn't have too many struggles or stresses uh, at all, and so I'm thankful. But really, I have to be honest uh, Sheila and I are thankful to all of the kindness that you have displayed to us in this season of transition in our lives. You have truly been amazing from your prayers to your meals to the gifts and the groceries and all of the different ways you have demonstrated your kindness to us. It's been beautiful and it has been encouraging and it has lifted us up in this season, and we are very, very thankful to you. And to be honest, is it not true that our world in general, as a whole, could use a bit more kindness in these days? What we see in our world today is we see hostility rising, people against people, people holding different perspectives and opinions. The world's growing fuller of more and more division, we find ourselves living in a place where everyone is forced to pick a side, because if you don't, your side is assumed for you. Can we show kindness towards those who may stand on another side? Is kindness available to those who may think, behave, believe, or even act a bit, or even more so, a lot more differently than we do? Do we require kindness to be shown to us before we are willing to show it to others? Or is the Spirit at work within us motivating kindness that expresses itself without conditions and regardless of whether or not it is reciprocated? Kindness is a theme that resonates through the book of Ruth. And it's interesting, in the Hebrew language, words that we see close together often or co-related together often are these words of kindness, compassion, mercy, steadfast love. They go together. And when the world around us seems to be such a harsh and bitter place, full of brokenness and pain, in what ways? Do we see God demonstrating His kindness and steadfast love towards us? We continue in the book of Ruth today. We conclude Ruth chapter 2 today in our study. And we move forward in looking at how God is demonstrating His kindness towards us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We come together and we surround it in what is Corporate worship, Lord, we do this study together as a body of Christ, and your spirit goes before us. And the beauty of this time, Lord, is that each of us come here at a different place in our spiritual walk. Each of us come here with a differing perspective. And it's your spirit who goes before, working in each individual believer's lives as you have intended for them to grow as we gather around your word. And study it together. You are indeed a God of mercy. A God of steadfast love and kindness. And you have demonstrated those qualities and characteristics to us in so many ways. Each of us here have experienced a measure of your love and kindness. Most importantly expressed in your son Jesus. We are thankful to him and for him this morning. We give you the glory for this time. As you work, help us to grow in a greater love for you and for those you've directed into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ruth chapter 2, and today we are in verses 15 to 23.
1: Ruth 2, 15 to 23. When Ruth rose to glean,
0: Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley and she took it and she went into the city. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness is not forsaking the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter in law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother in law. We pick up from where we left off last week, where if you remember, Ruth had just finished dining with Boaz and she was so full she was so satisfied that she had some left over and as she rose to to go back to gleaning Boaz has clear instruction for the young men who would be with her in the field and Boaz's words here they are going to open up a door of even greater opportunity and gain for Ruth when Boaz says these words let her glean even among the sheaves. What he is saying is that Ruth has permission to glean together with his young men. No longer is she following behind. You remember last week we talked about how this tradition would work. The young men would go out in front and they would do a lot of the hard work and labor. And those who were gleaning would follow behind and pick up
1: the extras. Boaz is. Now, moving Ruth out in front with the men.
0: And obviously, being a foreign female, unknown to the men of Boaz's house, Ruth would have been an easy target for bullying and torment. Most likely, she's still acclimating to the social customs. And while the Moabite language that she would have spoken was very similar to the Hebrew language, It had its own dialect, which means Ruth would have had an accent. Boaz was aware of all of this. He was prepared. He knew his own house well enough to know how his young men might respond to Ruth. They were not to embarrass her, they were not to make fun of her, they were not to be silly about the way she interacted with those who were around her. Even more so, As we look at the image of the sheaves on the screen, what did he instruct the young men to do? Pull some out from the bundles. You see the bundles on the screen. Those are sheaves that have been brought together in bundles. And he instructed them to pull some out from the bundles and leave them
1: there on the ground for her to pick up. This is extraordinary. Kindness, friend. And
0: and it actually, if you think about it, it actually created more
1: work for Boaz's workers. And yet, even though they had to put more effort forth,
0: even though they had to do more to serve the needs of this
1: foreigner, they were not to rebuke her or look down on her for the compassion. That Boaz is demonstrating.
0: Not only has Boaz inconvenienced himself. For the good of the foreigner Ruth. But he has also chosen. As the head of his house. To inconvenience his workers. And his employees. For Ruth and Naomi's good. And the provision that Boaz makes for Ruth. Reveals to us. That he is going above and beyond what was required in that day by the law. Boaz, he's doing more than following the letter of the law. We know what the letter of the law said. We looked at it last week in the book of Leviticus chapter 19. He's going above and beyond, behind the
1: letter to the spirit of the law. And why it was given. Why? Why is he doing this? What
0: is motivating the kindness that Boaz is demonstrating towards Ruth, and furthermore, bringing it into our world as we sit here today, what motivates the kindness that God demonstrates towards us? I believe that many of us would say it is love. The love of God, the love of Boaz, is the fountain from which this extraordinary kindness flows. For Boaz, it's a love of God. It's a love of following God's law. It's his love for Ruth. Obviously, he's a man who loves this woman. It's a love for his own house, a love for the greater community that God has planted him in. What Boaz is doing in his kindness towards Ruth is he is literally fulfilling the greatest commandment. Boaz knew the law. The law was clear. And as we said, Leviticus 19 is one of the most beautiful chapters regarding the Old Testament law. And last week we looked at earlier verses in chapter 19 that made provisions for the stranger and the alien to glean from fields that didn't belong to them. But also
1: tucked away in the same chapter in Luke 19 is a little line. That if we didn't know the New Testament,
0: we might glance over and read rather quickly. Take a look. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason, frankly, with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall
1: love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, one of the realities of the law is that the law reflects to us
0: the heart of God and shows us the things that God values and prioritizes. This is what the law does in some ways. In the Old Testament, the law was a pathway towards a right relationship with God and each other. When Jesus came, fulfilling the law, the pathway Became Jesus. Our righteousness is imputed to us by Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. However, Jesus doesn't let us off the hook to then just live however we want to. Largely, friends, because God Himself hasn't changed. What was important to God, what God valued in the Old Testament, He still values today. Jesus demonstrated this even in the way that he lived while he was on earth. And what was Jesus' example? He cared for the vulnerable, the oppressed, the overlooked. He gave mercy and compassion to the marginalized and the outcast of society. Those who had no home in this world could find a home with Jesus. Because Jesus is now our righteousness and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The believer today is not under the burden and the yoke of the 600 plus commands found in the Old Testament. Aren't you thankful? I'm thankful. Are you thankful we're not still sacrificing goats and pigeons and doves and all of these things? I'm so thankful for that. Could you imagine how messy this place would be on a Sunday morning up here? We're no longer under that yoke. Jesus gives a new command, and it's beautiful. And it flows right out of the Old Testament. Leviticus 19:17 to 18. Jesus says in John 13:34, "A new command I give to you, that you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another." And so Paul picks up this theme in his pastoral ministry to the early church, and he reminds the church in Galatia that all of the law can be fulfilled in a single decree, reminding them that no longer was it necessary to go about trying to meet all these commands, 600 plus commands in the Old Testament. What is that decree? He sums it up in Galatians 5, verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And it comes full circle. And so very literally what we find is love is the tie that binds the old to the new. And this because we know that God is love. First John chapter four, verses seven to twelve. Beloved, let us love one another. to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Friends, love is motivating Boaz's kindness towards his neighbor, Ruth, and love motivates God's kindness towards us.
1: Romans 12 reminds us of this phrase, love works. Let's not lose sight
0: of Ruth's condition here and what kind of amazing love this is. Not only is Ruth a widow, not only is she poor, not only is she the primary caregiver to her bitter mother-in-law, not only is she an immigrant, but she is an immigrant from a country that has actively opposed and
1: oppressed the Israelite people. She's an enemy. And yet here is Boaz, a man who loves the Lord.
0: His love is motivating his actions and expressing itself in his compassion and his kindness towards Ruth. And in these moments of Boaz's life, Ruth was the person that God had placed in Boaz's pathway. We say that a lot. Who are your neighbors? The people God places in your pathways. He is loving her as he loves himself. And in doing so, he's expressing his love for God. And this type of kindness, friends, is it not true? This does not come naturally. We don't come out of the womb wanting to treat people this way.
1: Wah, wah. Me, me. Feed me. Put a new diaper on me.
0: What do you mean i got to clean up my room? You cleaned it up all those years when I was younger. You know, this, this kind of kindness is not natural. Demonstrating this kind of compassion requires that we are living with an awareness that God is directing all of the relationships that come into our lives Every day, there are no chance
1: encounters. This is a real important relationship that God had determined for Boaz. Who are the
0: rules of our lives? And if the Lord had directed them into our pathways, would we be aware enough to receive them, care for them, and love them as we ourselves have been loved? Those of us who are in Christ, friends, the truth remains that we are to demonstrate the same kindness towards others that we ourselves have been shown. Those who have been loved extraordinarily, love others extraordinarily. Those who have been forgiven much, forgive much. Those who have been shown abundant generosity, give to others graciously. Those who have been benefactors of grace and mercy live graciously and offer mercy to others. What I love about Boaz's home, what I love about his attitude, what I love about his actions and his behaviors in this narrative is that they are examples for us who live today of how someone might love, live, and
1: lead for God's glory in the context that God Had placed them in. No one, it it, it
0: stands out to me as I consider the kindness that has been demonstrated to me in my life. And perhaps you would share in this thought. Think about all of the kind things that people have done to you and for you in your life. No one is ever kind
1: by accident. Right? There is something about kindness that requires.
0: Great thoughtfulness and intentionality. It doesn't just happen. There needs to be a game plan for how we're going to be kind. I've seen this in practical ways in my community, and I I just want to share a few today. Uh, In Quarryville, recently, over the course of the last few months, there has been an Amish man in our community who uh, takes a table every single morning and puts it on the sidewalk and loads it. With produce for anyone, and, and and it's like so ridiculously cheap. It's like a dollar for like all you could take. I mean, it, and he's not standing there. It's, it's, it's all based on just faithfulness that someone will actually put the dollar in the box. But there it is. a table remains loaded with produce. Every morning for the past number of months, he's continued to go out and just out of the kindness of his heart, put that out for those who might need it. <clears throat> My, my car repairman, we call him, for the, for the Haitian boys in our home, we call him the machine doctor. Because they call, they call cars machines in Haiti. And the best way that we could describe what we're doing when we drop our cars off is that he's a doctor and he's fixing the car. So he's the machine doctor. So the machine doctor, who lives right down the road from us, I was going through uh, a season of great transition in my life a number of years ago and there was all these things going on and he knew that I was a pastor and he's a brother in Christ and I went into his shop and he was asking questions and I was sharing with him about all these things and there was a customer sitting there waiting for his vehicle and my machine doctor came out from behind the counter and said, I'm going to pray with you right here. Put his arm around me in his shop and we prayed. And it wasn't just like a quick prayer, like a Lord, take care of this guy, please. That's not how it was. This was a long prayer, and his customer waited and waited. I know of servicemen and service women, uh, people who work on air conditioners and people who, who do heating and, and cooling units and plumbers and carpenters that offer their services at very discounted rates to single mothers and to widows. I know of men women like this. I know of a doctor. If anybody needs a good chiropractor, let me know. I know of a doctor that takes care of those who are in ministry full-time. If you're in ministry full-time and you go to, to this doctor, he will give you a ridiculous and a generous rate because of his kindness and his concern for those who serve in ministry. And we could go on and on and on about the practical ways we see kindness at work in our lives, Every day. And now, back in Ruth's narrative, we get to see what Boaz's kindness towards Ruth perpetuates in her life. Look at what she does in verse 17. Because of God's work within Boaz, motivating Boaz's kindness towards Ruth, look what happens in verse 17. She gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an
1: ephah of barley. So barley and wheat were really, really important uh, produce products. Not
0: a farmer, so I'm not sure what the word is, but they were really, really important to the ancient Near Eastern Israelite diet back in the day, making up somewhere between 50 to 70 percent of their diet. Bread or some form of bread was eaten at almost every meal. There were porridges, there were uh, like a barley-based, I don't know if any of you eat grits, they're not called grits, but it's a barley-based type of grit called gruel. There were barley cakes that they would eat with fish and even more. So how much is an ephah of barley? And for those who were gleaners, what was the reasonable expectation for how much one might collect in a day? Was this normal? Was this above and beyond? The normal Daily ration, as biblical researchers and historians have sought to answer these questions, determined that an ephah of barley would have been somewhere between 29 to 50 pounds of barley. So in one day, Ruth gleaned somewhere between 29 and 50 pounds of barley. The normal daily ration for a male worker gleaning in the fields in the ancient Near East was around two pounds a day. Two pounds. She had somewhere between 29 and 50. It's thought that two pounds of grain might last a family a few days. And because of Boaz's generosity and God's abundant provision, Ruth gleaned enough in one day to supply for her needs and Naomi's needs for several weeks. And so she beats out the barley. She takes it. She goes into the city where Her mother-in-law, Naomi, lived, and not only did she take the barley with her, but she also takes the leftovers of the meal that she had had. The kindness that Ruth had received from Boaz, she is now going to pass on to her mother, Naomi. And isn't it amazing, Naomi's shocked. She is overwhelmed at the bounty here. And in the Hebrew, you can actually read the excitement of her words in the original language. There's two quick questions that are followed by this blessing. And in our minds, the only way I I was trying to think of the kind of these types of conversations that we have in our lives, and the best uh, equation I could come up with was like when a daughter shares with her mom about her engagement. Have you ever been privy to one of those conversations? They're fast, they're furious, but furious in a good way. You know, Mom, I I I just got engaged. Where did he ask you? What did he say? How did he do it? Here, demonstrate. I'll be I'll be you. You be him. Stand over there. Show me exactly how he did it. I want to know every word, every detail. Did anybody take pictures? Did you, you didn't put any up on Facebook yet? Did you? I want to see him first. The excitement, that energy, and that conversation is the similar energy. That Naomi has in this conversation with Ruth. She is overwhelmed, excited, thrilled at this bounty that Ruth has brought back from the fields. She had no idea, no expectation that Ruth would glean so much in just one day. Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be
1: the man who took notice of you. What are we witnessing here? Remember in Ruth chapter 1, what was Naomi's countenance? Even coming into Ruth chapter 2, remember what she said? Call me Mara, for I am bitter. And what's happening here? There's a change in her
0: countenance. The hope of a fool and bountiful Harvest. God demonstrating His abundant provision is evaporating the empty bitterness that had once overwhelmed Naomi. And as this is happening, we are approaching. in In the book of Ruth, there are a number of what I call "whoa" moments. You know, when you read the Bible and you go, "Whoa!" Like that's amazing. We are approaching one of those. Right now in Ruth's narrative, it comes at the end of verse 19 and drives all the way through verse 20. Look at it with me. So Ruth told her mother in law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name, here's the woe moment, with whom I have worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter in law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. We talked last week about God's provision not just focused on the material. A lot of times we just focus on the material aspects of God's provision. But God's provision drives so much deeper than just the material and what we see on the surface. God's provision also includes relational fruit and relational abundance and that's what is happening right here that truth comes into full focus in these verses Boaz his person his character his actions his home his relationship to Naomi and Ruth they're no accident this is not chance it's not superstition Ruth didn't just get lucky Boy, it's a good thing she found Boaz's fields of all the guys she could have gone to. This is God's superintendence. The kindness of God. Drawing individuals together. Using everyday habits, life patterns, behaviors to bring people together for His glory and for their good. The kindness of God drawing Naomi and Ruth towards their Redeemer is a thread that's woven throughout this narrative. In chapter 1, verse 8, we have the blessing of the Lord's kindness, don't we? Look at what Naomi said. Naomi said to her two daughters in law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you. Then in chapter 2, verse 13, we have application of the Lord's kindness as experienced in the house of Boaz. Then she said, This is Ruth speaking. I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and spoken kindly to your servant. And now, in chapter 2, verse 20, we have an affirmation of the Lord's kindness. Friends, kindness is all over the narrative of Ruth. God's kindness and how the kindness of God is worked out through and towards others. And one of the greatest questions that scholars have wrestled with regarding the original Hebrew here is whose kindness is Naomi talking about in this sentence? Is she talking about God's kindness? It's very obscure. It's hard to tell in the original. Is she talking about God's kindness or Boaz's kindness? Could it be, friends, that it's obscure for the reason she's talking about both God and Boaz's? kindness. God's kindness and provision will not only be experienced by Ruth in the fields of Boaz, rather in the book of Ruth. It's amazing. Boaz's fields are simply a foreshadowing towards the reality that Boaz, as a person himself, is a fuller and greater example example of God's kindness and provision towards Naomi and Ruth. Indeed, as a close relative of Naomi, Boaz is one who may be considered their redeemer. And the greater question remains, what does that mean? What was a redeemer in the context of the Old Testament? And you'll have to do some personal study this week and personal reading this week. It's important because you're going to see this concept played out in the rest of the book of Ruth. And so you want to take time to read it. Leviticus chapter 25 verses 25 to 55 talks about the role of the kinsman redeemer. And essentially what the law affirms is that God was committed to his covenant people. And he was committed to his desire for them to keep and to maintain the land that he had given them from promise. It was a gift of his grace towards them. So even if a man sold his land, Even if a man were to just sell it because of poverty or other circumstances in his life, there were provisions in the law which allowed for him or
1: for his closest family kinsmen to buy back or redeem his land from the
0: person who had purchased it. And if you have a chance to read these laws this week or next week as they appear in Leviticus you will see that these particular laws serve as a guardian for the poor and the widow. And in the scope of the Old Testament, there are many characters who foreshadow the coming Messiah, Jesus. We identify, we call them a type of Christ. We have Adam, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and here, Boaz. And these figures, when we come across them. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, we come across him in the Old Testament. He serves as a landmark with an arrow directing us towards the true and greater expression of their ideals. And as Christians who live in light of the New Testament, Boaz's example thrusts our mind towards a true and greater Boaz who was
1: and is Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus is our redeemer he has bought us back and as we continue to study
0: through the book of ruth we will see this actual process of kinsman redemption play itself out ruth though is not finished expressing her excitement to naomi verse 21 shares uh she shares boaz's own words by which he indicates his desire to protect her and To provide for her until the harvest is complete. And Naomi recognizes this opportunity and encourages Ruth to stay close to Boaz's workers. And it's further illustrating for us the reality and the dangers that faced foreigners who gleaned
1: in the field. What does Naomi say? Stay close. So that you might not be assaulted. Ruth does
0: stay close. She's drawing near to Boaz's house. She's working with his young women. She's gleaning until both the end of the barley and the wheat harvest. And chapter 2 draws to a close with a bit of a cliffhanger, does it not? Though Ruth was gleaning in the fields and staying close to Boaz's women workers, she was not living at the house of Boaz, as many of his women workers would have been. She's remaining faithful to the words she had spoken to Naomi all the way back in Ruth chapter 1. Our memory verse for the month of November. We'll say it together now. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Ruth 1.16 Indeed, Ruth is remaining faithful to that which she had promised her mother-in-law. So with all this talk of kindness today, how might our lives look in light of these realities? And in this passage, I'm continually reminded of how God has demonstrated His kindness and steadfast love towards us. Isn't it amazing, friends, that God demonstrates His steadfast love and kindness towards us? in the person and work of Jesus, the gift of our salvation, and the daily divine appointment He directs into our pathways. In the book of Romans, Paul identifies that it is indeed, i we're going to watch how this works, it's so beautiful, it is indeed the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. For do, not, do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that god's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance continuing in colossians once the spirit quickens our hearts and turns us from our own sins and towards jesus it is god who then in colossians chapter one delivers us from the domain of darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins and then in Ephesians, he raises us up with him, seats us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And it's the same Jesus, friends, who in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for His own possession, who are zealous for
1: good works.
0: Friends, God's kindness and our redemption in Jesus Christ are all over the testimonies of our salvation. As a people who have received such extravagant and everlasting kindness, we should be motivated to demonstrate extravagant kindness towards others as we grow in a greater love for God and a greater love for those He places in our pathways. And I would say that I would hope our lives would be seasoned by these acts of great kindness. That we would be ever aware of our neighbors and their needs. That we might be ready to love the ruse in our lives. So that we are loving, living, and leading for God's glory. Demonstrating the love and the kindness. Pointing those who don't know Jesus to the one who motivates and inspires our every good thought and behavior. Friends, if love is the motivation, kindness is the game plan. As the Spirit works within us to put it all into action, we shine like stars, being the salt and the light that we
1: are to be in the places where God has planted us. As our team comes this morning, let's pray. Father, again, how thankful
0: we are for the kindness that we have been shown in Christ Jesus. And how thankful we are for the relationship that You have drawn into our lives with great intentionality and purpose.
1: We pray, Lord, that we would be ever focused on loving those who You've called to us. Make us aware, Lord, of need. Help us to kneel down and lift up. Help us be
0: defined as a people who are merciful and gracious, loving and compassionate, kind and gentle. Lord, might You be glorified by our actions, by our words, by our thoughts. And might You
1: use Your church to spread the Gospel, to be a source of hope and truth to a world that desperately needs us. Might you speak through our kindness and may they know we are Christians by our love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.